Welcome to What's on Your Souls, a relational podcast where you can relax and enjoy conversation, inspiration, encouragement, and motivation in a judgment free space. Don't continue to drag around that emotional debris. That talked a little Here's bit what's about next on this episode. Walks that I take in this season of COVID, every day I take, try to take some form of walk. And I walk behind the shopping center because that's where all the trash is and that's where all the dumpsters are and that's where all the crates are. Because sometimes I'm intrigued to see with whatever is behind, how well does it match what is going on in the interior of the store or how it is presented. And so I think with COVID, what has happened is everyone's back end has been turned around (laughs) and we get to see it all. Have a seat on the porch. And let's examine what's on your soul's soul. Hello, this is Mia. It is a pleasure as always to be sitting behind this mic. We welcome you to the What's On Your Soul podcast. Today's podcast is going to be a special one. I want to think that they all are, but we want to acknowledge the um, unique season that we're in right now with COVID-19. And um, it in itself presents its own challenges and concerns But then underneath on the back end, as I always say, what I specialize in and where I spend most of my time on the back end is where we would like to rest today. And um, I did a conference last week that talked a little bit about these walks that I take in this season of COVID. Every day I take, try to take some form of walk and I walk behind the shopping center because that's where all the trash is and that's where all the dumpsters are and that's where all the crates are. Um, because sometimes I'm intrigued to see with whatever is behind, how well does it match what is going on in the interior of the store or how it is presented. And so I think with COVID, what has happened is everyone's back end has been turned around (laughs) and we get to see it all. And so I thought, who should I bring to this mic with me that can talk this out with me in a way that will be life-giving and healing and thought-provoking and God-glorifying and I knew that it would be Deborah Hill. So I have brought her back to the table. What's interesting about this is Deborah probably, I mean, she is supposed to be here, but she isn't supposed to be here. And I'm going to let her talk about that a little bit. And then she and I are systemically just going to have this dialogue about all of the concerns and calls that have come to me during this season from parents and from people about marriages, about children, about jobs, just about life in general. And we're going to talk it out as two friends, two therapists, two believers, and see if we can um, somehow offer some semblance of rest and peace to everyone um, that has experienced this in different ways. So, Deborah, how are you? All good. You're all, all good. good. I've already here. got the giggles because we can't, no one can touch anybody or. Yeah, we are social distancing. Production struggles a little bit with social distancing. Yes, but it's okay. It's we know how we have. I have some self defense moves that have worked <laughs> quite well. Um, yeah, I'm here. I was on my way to South Korea on March 1st, which was about two or three days before we, my leadership and I, decided that probably should see what happens. And I'm really so glad. I feel like as much as people are suffering, mm-hmm. that God's timing has been really an opportunity for me to be here for a friend who's lost her daughter, who I love dearly, and 
was able to just kind of drop everything prior to moving, uh, a week or two prior to moving to be there. And there was some angst about leaving, you know, just wanting to make sure the family was okay. My kids were okay. We were close to the whole family. And then there's been a couple of other things, which we'll talk about a little bit more. We will. That um, have allowed me to rest in the fact that his timing is perfect. And I'm good with that. And you're good with that. And living out of two suitcases, I understand. Yes, it really shows you you don't need much. Because all your other stuff is on its way. In limbo. In limbo. (laughs) Somewhere between here and Korea. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Loss. You said the word loss. And so I think we will take a break. And when we come back, I want to sit in that for a moment. Mm -hmm. Because I think loss has come and it's presented itself in a myriad of ways during this season. Yeah. And then we'll just go from there. So we will be right back in a moment. More conversation on the way from what's on your souls with Mia. In the meantime, if you have a comment, log on with your laptop or smartphone to miaembro.com. That's M-I-A-M-B-R-O-H.com. From the audio player, click the leave a comment link. Let your voice be heard. Now, back to more of What's on Your Souls. Okay, Deborah, we're back. You on the porch? I am on the porch. I was telling uh, production what I've noticed about the view from the porch is since we've all been isolated and so everything is more lush and green Mm. and there's more wildlife out because we've gotten out of their way Mm. and uh, there's not as much pollution in the sky and so things have grown so the porch is even prettier than it normally is I'm so glad that you're here I would like to jump in first of all what before the break you talked a little bit about loss and it is all a form of grief, and it has come and presented itself in many ways to people. For some people, it's the loss of their routine mm-hmm. and schedule, what they've done. For other people, it's the loss of a job um, and a dream that they had. Maybe for others, it is the loss of a relationship mm-hmm. because this time and season has whipped up on some people pretty good in the relationship area. And I want to be real about that. Uh, Even for those who are single and not in a form of some romantic relationship, still friendships have been fractured. People that you thought would check on you have Mm. not checked on you Mm. or been there for you have not been in that way. Parents have struggled with having their children, their adult children back home as much as they love them, being able to share that space in a way that provides dignity and respect, but also accountability and responsibility to everyone Mm. present. Uh, Parents that are homeschooling their children, parents who don't even like school to begin with and now, (laughs) and now they are the teacher of their child or they have a child that has different challenges about them that they, the parent or not, Uh, adept in managing when it comes to schooling and just any way that you can think of this. And then there are people who have literally lost people through death Mm -hmm. and have not been able to celebrate their lives in the way that they had planned or thought that they would. So can you speak to that a little bit, just about grief and loss and specifically within this time, since it has unique elements to it, knowing that every day, all day, even before this virus, people were experiencing loss in different ways. It's just that it seems like everyone is doing it at once now. Yeah, that's true. I think, like you said, I think there's some ability to see the creative part of God 
in this space of grief, right? There's this energy of grief that's a collective energy. Um, I think, like you said, there's a lot of loss and loss in ways that maybe we haven't thought about it before. Mm-hmm. I also want to put it in the context of we, we have everything we need, which means if we have a bit of a struggle, if life changes a bit, it is part of what we need for this spiritual growth. We're on this, I always say, earth school, and we are eternal beings having a human experience. So in that context, we have to burn off some of this energy, right? Being human means we are kind of full of energy. So thinking about it in terms of grief energy, right? Grief energy is a reaction to loss. So it's going to be what it is in each person. It's unique to each person. It's very personal. It depends on their personality, cultural norms, family culture, It depends on really the first time you experience a loss like that. What does that look like in you, right? What does that look like in your demographic? What does that look like in your clique? So we have to just allow that energy to be what it is without maybe harming someone or taking that energy and getting in a feedback loop about the negativity that might occur in the future. Easier said than done. It's easier said than done. So I think some of what we can do is we've got to do some mourning activities, right? Mourning is what we do with what we feel and experience. Okay. So maybe parents at home need to be doing activities with their kids. Maybe there's a draw a picture of your face before COVID and draw a picture of your face after COVID and then really ask kids questions, open-ended questions about, oh, gosh, I see that you put a tear under your eye. Can you tell me about that tear? So... I think that there are things we can be doing, and for those of us that are maybe adults and we don't know how to get creative with that within our own selves, like you said, taking a, a six-mile walk and just processing what is it that I've lost, because sometimes it's just this tangle of emotions and we don't know how to define that. So maybe just practically looking at it, I've lost my job, I've lost the idea that things are certain over the next couple of months, I've lost the identity that I'm someone's, you know, that person or I'm someone's, you know, leader or whatever it is that you've lost and really take a look at that and then mourn it, even if it's just in practical ways, writing down on a piece of paper what you lost, you know, burning it in the sink, you know, so you don't set anything else on fire. Just a fire extinguisher. Yeah. And then we have to come to some resolutions, like come to some focus about what does life look like right now? Like, how does it come into focus? And then when it comes into focus, how do I reconcile and integrate that? And just say, hey, from here, I'm not a victim. I'm a creator. I'm co-creating with God. I'm in the flow, and I'm allowing him that, that kind of space in my life that, hey, I'm all for it. I have my hands, have my head, have my heart. I see what you're doing. When I put my foot out this door, you've created a whole new world that has to do with my spiritual growth, and I'm here for it. But Deborah, it's easier to sit, you know, now we, so it's easy to be in the church sitting in the pew on Sunday singing, I surrender all, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're with your peeps and you're at church and then you're going to go eat at first or wherever you go after church, or whatever. But now you're not even doing that. So now you got to live out the I surrender mm-hmm. and the resistance um, to the surrender does cause that distorted energy and we come out fighting like wild people. And so yeah. thus the rise in domestic violence or abuse of children or depression and anxiety. It's that resistance to um, 
the loss and the grief. And instead of coming up with some morning ritual that does just embrace it Mm -hmm. and embrace the change, because we have not all been taught to do that. Those are not the behaviors. And that is not what we have learned from our generational. Someone even asked on the Facebook Uh, on my Facebook page, can we talk about generational curses? Like Mm -hmm. even breaking that now that you're in these spaces and that you are tight and loved in and locked in for the most part, I know some people are trying to flee as soon as possible. Uh, But it's them saying, what do you do besides just pray about generational curses, Mia? How do you get in there and work that work and free it up? Well, the space will probably trigger some, right? Because what you've been going and going and trying to avoid feeling is that grief of maybe the thought of what if this hadn't happened to me? What would my life be like? And we have to look at it like it's a ball, it's a tangle, a big knot of emotions. And it has to do with confusion and anxiety and grief and panic and feeling abandoned and feeling uh, despair. And even it's it's sleepiness or it's not sleeping enough. Like these Mm -hmm. things are going to manifest and we have to be comfortable with that is part of life. That's how you fully live your life, is that you fully live into the grief energy. And that might be things like going rather than, you know, writing, oh, let me write down. That's when you've had a lot of comfort in your life. But sometimes grief energy feels like rage energy. And sometimes that might need yes. to run down the street. You might have to <laughs> run down the street screaming bloody murder. I think well, you can wear your you mask. Be real careful with that. You can wear your mask, right? <laughs> yeah. You can wear your mask. Yes. And you can scream into your mask if you need to. But whatever that is, just recognize it as a physical sensation. You don't even necessarily have to name that emotion. I think sometimes we get into too much of, I'm feeling, mm, can you tell me how you feel? Sometimes, yes. no, it's it, it's a lump in my throat. It's a knot in my stomach. I got to go. Yes. It's a, maybe that despair energy is, how do I care for myself with that despair? Light some candles, turn on your favorite sad music, take a bubble bath, but don't entertain the narrative around that. It is, it is. I have sadness in me. I have rage in me. I have these things in me and it needs to come up and out. And right now I have space. I don't have to hurt anybody with it. I don't have to make a narrative (laughs) around it. I don't have to justify it. I don't have to rationalize it. I just have to feel it. And thank God for this time to feel it. Because that's where creative energy is. If you think about some of the most beautiful works of art, oh my gosh, read poetry where people have lost loved ones. Listen, Eric Clapton's uh, Tears in Heaven, Negro Spirituals. You start to, Picasso, you know, about when the Nazis invaded Spain and they killed all these people in this beautiful work of art. Like when we allow ourselves that bit of suffering, beauty comes from that and we have to trust that. Oh my goodness. You know, people are going to struggle with that. Cause then moms are, and dads are going to say, where would you suggest Deborah that I find time to take a bubble bath when I'm homeschooling five or six kids? And I know that it always feels difficult, but that leaning into the surrender is one of the most, um, you lean in with the kids. They're grieving too. Yeah, they you are. Know, the, it's the, the yes. one thing we're taught in the Bible is that Jesus also felt and empathized. And sometimes I think sometimes we need to say to our kids, hey, this feels really weird. And this feels really sad. We're in a culture that says, no, keep your head up. Don't let your kids see that you're sad. They know it. They They feel feel your energy. Yes. So acknowledging it and living in integrity with your kids and saying, hey, let's watch a sad movie. There's this old movie, Old Yeller, and it would let me cry. We're going to feel such relief after this experience. Maybe we can find a little bit of energy to cook some cookies tomorrow or something like that. Like helping them to mourn healthily, helping them to mourn what they've lost, 
and also not including them if they're not feeling it. Like everybody's experiencing it differently. So you may look and go, I think a lot of parents tend to look and go, oh, this is going to happen. And oh, this, you know, their senior year. Well, you had a senior year. You had a prom. Just because they've lost what you think they've lost. It doesn't mean they've lost what, they, what you think they've lost. That's good, Deborah. So they might have a different experience. And for us to impose that on them is not fair right? Some things doesn't need language. You feel that loss and then you're more present to be there in their loss, whatever that is, which may not be the same thing. That's awesome. A production, can we do an extended version today? Can we go a little bit longer than usual? Okay, on the next segment. Okay. So Deborah, when we come back, we're going to take a break here. And when we jump back in, I would like for you, if you will, please share a little bit about your loss. I know that you are in the midst of a loss, it sounds like, at this Mm -hmm. time. Uh, And it's one of those, what feels familiar to me, one of those mixed type of losses where it's not, there's feelings all over this. Mm -hmm. And I believe that a lot of people are experiencing this in their life. They have a loss occurring, but they have a myriad of feelings around Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, kind of drop the shoulds, how you should feel, and just feel what you feel. So mine might not be so familiar. Okay. So we'll be back in a minute. If you have a comment about this great wisdom that Deborah is imparting with us today, you're welcome to go to miaembro.com, hit that leave a comment button and let us hear your voice, what your thoughts are, what else you want to hear us talk about. This is a very unique time and we want to serve it well and with excellence. We will be right back. While we're having great conversation with what's on your souls with Mia Embro, we wanted to thank you for listening. And we look forward to hearing from you at miaembro.com. There you can get caught up on previous shows, comment, or even give us feedback. All right, let's get back to our final segment as we wrap up What's on Your Souls. Okay, Deborah, we're back. Are you ready? Ready. Let's talk a little bit about the different stages of grief mm-hmm. so that people have an understanding. I think we talk about it all the time because it's what we do. But for people that are experiencing it in real time, it might feel like to them that they're all over the place. Mm -hmm. So what are the stages if you identify them? Well, if we think about, I tend to not talk about stages. I tend to talk about the way it manifests because when you do stages, as much as we understand that it's not linear. Yes. Like you can feel denial and then go back to acceptance and come back to denial. Like it's not linear. So some of the ways that grief manifests are rage, you know, tears, we know this, panic, relief, shame, guilt, remorsefulness, apathy, foggy brain. So sometimes we don't understand we're experiencing this kind of fog because we're in a state of grief. But it also can look like regression, feelings of isolation, boredom, loneliness, lethargy, um, exhaustion, weight gain or loss. It could be guilt, helplessness, joy, even existential crisis because we're losing identities with that comes along with what we've lost, right? So even a divorce means we've lost the identity of a wife. Yes. Right? Losing a child means I've lost the identity of their mother. Always losing, shifting, yes. Losing my senior year in high school, I've lost the identity pretty abruptly of a student and, and a child, really, to a certain degree, um, of someone who's going to experience these things. So I think people need to understand it is going to manifest differently, but a lot of times we're not realizing how much it affects us in the way that we see the world. So as long as we don't get in a feedback loop of, oh, there's going to be loneliness, or now that I've experienced loneliness, I am a lonely person. It's like, no, this is a process. This is a process. That is excellent. Okay, can you talk a little bit about your loss um, that you're in the midst of now and how that has manifested in your life? 
and your perspective uh, regarding your dad? Sure. I, you know, it has helped me with faith. Um, I didn't know, I knew my dad was getting older and my dad is someone that I hadn't, I've seen a, a few times in the last 30 years, maybe three times. And uh, I did not grow up with him. He is, he's been in prison for about 30 years. And so there's been a, a detachment and of the last like four or five years, that's been a process of coming to know Christ even more and understanding that I have to honor a person who was my father and that God, we talked about this last time, intended for him to be my father and all of his glory and his sin so that I could be and know God the way I do today. So I have much gratitude and I wanted to honor him. Well, I got a call that he was dying last week and, you know, we've got COVID going on, but my initial response is I've got to honor my father. There's no fear when you have that initial kind of spiritual response. There's just, oh, I got to jump in the car. I got to drive down there. I've got to see him. I've got to at least show some compassion for this process of death. And then looking at it like, no, he's just coming out of that cocoon of whatever that ego had him stuck in. And now I feel that it has really reinforced the idea that there's nothing to be afraid of right now. So the grief energy, I wouldn't say there's a loss of, for me, there's a loss. There's actually a hopeful, hopefulness that he'll get his lesson for this lifetime. And he's going to arrive in glory and go, yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I could see how that affected that. And, you know, oh, God, I'm glad Deborah got to where she's got to because I had to be who I was. In, in some ways, it was a sacrifice, 30 years in prison. Yeah, in some ways. Um, and maybe we agreed to these roles. Who knows, right? Who, Who knows? knows? I don't try to think God's thoughts. I just try to do what he tells me to do. So the way that the grief shows up is there's this energy. And I, ta- I even avoided using the word joy as it relates to grief. Because for me, it is a relief to see this man who's suffering pass on. That I know it'll be a relief to him. I know this. I know it will be. It also has brought for me, saying, okay, let me do what God said do, this new level of compassion and and humanity, where I think I was much more detached the last year or so, because it's like, okay, I've done my duty. Now there's this, oh my gosh, we're all human. One day I may be in that spot. I think it's um, very significant when you talk about your father and the lesson of learning that it was with intention in order for you to learn what you needed to learn, whatever God is doing in you. Yeah, I really believe that. And, you know, even that that initial thing, I've got to honor my father. It is an energy like, how do I honor God in this without fear? But I'll tell you what, I don't even, I think it was more not even that I'm so awesome that I went to see this man dying, sure. right? That my sister sparked, it sparked in her this longing to go see him, which she did. She flew in from Chicago. She saw him. And he actually has always asked for her. He has he, He's more connected to her. Mm-hmm. And she knew the songs he needed. She knew he needed to see her face. Her name is the one that he calls out for, right? And when I think of that, I think the grief, sometimes it actually can be quite a beautiful, creative thing. And then you see God's, you don't take credit for it. You just see God's creative process. You know, and That's how part he, of that surrender, though. You have to sit back in your seat, right, yeah. in order to take in the totality of what is before you. But when something is changing or doesn't feel right or it's interrupted or disrupted, then you, uh, the innate 
behavior sometimes is to fight it. Yeah, and remember, I'm here because I didn't get to go where I was so excited oh, to go. I remember. And then I'm here during this time. And when I look at all that, there's a loving detachment to what's happening, even if if someone like in my life had COVID and was, I, I would, I want to show up, you know, there's this excitement of Lord, whatever it is that I need to show up for, I'm going to show up without fear. Yes. And I think that we can get to that place when we grieve. Part of my process is I grieved having a earthly father a long time ago. So now I'm, I can be in the flow of it. Now, other areas of my life, maybe not so much just yet. So I'm not this, you know, evolved, like floating human being. So grace extending to yourself being patient with yourself. So when you talk about um, COVID is an interruption for people, right? Of what they thought they would have or should have in this moment, whatever that is. So I'm going to give you some specifics and I want to hear what you say about it. So let's say that you are navigating the waters of having your college children back home, Mm -hmm. that everyone, so they're vision was everyone is in the dorm or the apartment doing whatever college kids do that we're probably not even supposed to look at or see so now we're all (laughs) trying not to see just trying not to see but um now everyone's back home and let you could have been an empty nester right and had your own vibe going and your own you have changed in ways you are different than what you were when they left and now everyone's back and everyone's a little jumpy people aren't always speaking people are feeling crowded people are feeling invaded but they're grateful so they're all over the place what it, what's your word on that you know it's a really good opportunity to integrate the loss right integrate the loss of that freedom um, I think sometimes we don't understand the gift of having to have a crash course that our kids are not extensions of our egos and Uh-oh. yeah <laughs> Oh, trust me, I've had to learn that. <laughs> Uh-oh. So having the crash course instead of living in that fantasy for another four or five years is probably a gift, right? Because then it kind of launches them a little more. Like, oh, I don't necessarily like you all the time. So we, um, these are the like cliff notes. Choices. We're in yeah. cliff note season, right? Is that what you're saying? We're going to expedite yeah, the learning. Yeah, like, you know what? Yeah. As soon as this is over, you need to, you, you need to make <laughs> sure you're taking care of some of them things. So even the, maybe seeing that our kids are a bit entitled or they've made different value choices for now, right? Everybody's, in, yes. everybody's a dynamic being. So who they are at 20 is not who they're going to be at 30. We know that. Praise the but Lord. But we hold our breaths every day and lie to ourselves about what's happening in order to preserve our egos, so what do you do now that everybody's this goulash? Let it is just, in the house. Let, uh, okay, y'all, let it burn. Just don't. What? Like, what are you saying? Like a big wood pile? Let well, it burn. Well, it's your burnt offering, right? Well, it's, somebody needs I'm to attend so to the fire. I'm so frustrated, right? I have such rage <laughs> that my kids are. House. Uh, girl, so <laughs> Jesus is a living water. He'll put out those fires. Okay, but you have to let it burn. And when I say let it burn, I mean whatever that grief energy is, go expend that in healthy ways. Don't yell at the person because they're not who you think they are. You take it and go, I need to take a run because I just accidentally saw what was on your computer screen and I don't agree, but you know, we're in this space. We have to be in this space, but as soon as we're out, I want my house free of that. You know, that it's okay. I think it, we all need that resolve when it comes to our kids. We have coddled them. This generation and generation four, we have such extended adolescence. We're looking at them at 26 calling them boys and girls and they're not. You know, I was a 17-year-old on my own having a baby. 
and I'm who I'm good today. I'm good. So I think we have protected them a bit. To, oh, okay, we're getting into that, but you know what I mean. Protecting them a bit from themselves and from the reality of what's happening and reality how the culture is um, what influence them. So now we've got to say, you know, I see that clearly, and I can stand my Oof. ground. And now that you're an adult. I can actually be in space where I don't have to deal with that until you come through that space in your life. And that's, that's okay. Good. That's okay. Like, stop trying to groom them or guide them into being something that's acceptable to your ego. We all have our journeys. This is good. Okay. So what about, um, what would you say for relationships within the house? Let's say spouse or significant other, and it's getting a little dicey and you're thinking, hmm, did I choose you? <laughs> Go back to that that podcast we did before and, and the, the way the pH scale works, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And how you really get to burn off a lot of ego in that, right? Is how much have you stayed separated from that person, maybe emotionally or spiritually, right? Yes, by, your right. Busy, by the busyness, right? right? The busyness and the outside of the house has caused a distraction or a deflection. And see the, ref- see the reflection. See that if they're annoying to you, you might be annoying to them. How do you reconcile in those spaces where how You're do I see this person the way God... Anybody. Get out of here, dear. <laughs> you know, it is truly hard to see. I know my sister came down and, and stayed a couple of days, and I've just gotten in the habit of responding to her a, a little snappy for defensiveness uh, because, no. you know, I always call her defensive. And it's like, oh, I see. I'm looking in a mirror. I love her. You know, we're... We're, we've become great friends, but it took a lot of work. And now is a good time to kind of also, same thing, crash course in how to see that person and in, a, in full acceptance and full love and the fullness of who God called them to be in that moment for you. Like he, he created them. I don't care who, what kind of relationship you're in with somebody. They come into your space for a reason. And it's either reflection or to show God's grace where maybe we wouldn't necessarily, I may mean, say the word, the word deserve gives me a little weirdness I can feeling tell. in my stomach. It's in yeah. What do you want to but, say? Well, just say that there are times that maybe we know on some level that somebody's been really gracious with us, but we keep pushing their boundaries because our egos say, well, they're supposed to be. I'm entitled to that because I'm in relationship with them this way. But rather than say, how do I now reflect that grace back, right? How do I now work through my ego that wants to jump and neutralize and push away or separate myself from them? How can I move toward peace doing anything with anybody? How do I move in that space, particularly if I'm in my own home? So that's everything. We talk, we're talking about significant others and people, grown-up relationships, but that's the same with your children, right? They're, they're, they're teaching you about yourself as well, yeah, their we... reflections and mirror images. And the whole spiel about um, how we raise our children, we try to do this feign, innocent Oh, yeah. Think that we're doing it for their good, but it is for our glory and our ego. And to- well, we invite them to lie to us. And even little children, right? Like, what did you eat at school today? Because, oh, my kids are, we're so healthy, we're this and that. I mean, I'm just naming like one this thing. This is good. And then you're at home and you're like, girl, eat them fish sticks. And the, like, you, you, you like fully integrate that, right? Like, oh, we're just living our lives, right? Because I think we identify, we're able to identify and not be in those spaces where it's something we don't necessarily want to attached to ourselves. So when we have our little kids like throwing tantrums or getting frustrated or getting anxious or not allowing them some of that struggle. Yes. You know, that we're to just naked delaying the process, mm-hmm. you know, delaying what life is about is some of that so that we can find joy.
Good, dear. You have a scripture that you'd like to share with us before we come to an end? We're oh, we are coming to an, to an end. end. Oh, yes. Um, why don't you do... Uh, I'm going to do yours. One. I have I have something I want to read. You look while I'm doing this. Okay. I just was looking at Tyrone. Tyrone was a guest with us on the porch a couple of uh, episodes ago, mm-hmm. and I just saw this today. This was his post for the day. It says, In our sufferings, we too may find ourselves vacillating between despair and hope, doubt and faith. God doesn't require us to be dauntless in the face of adversity, but instead invites us to come to him with our questions as we learn of ourselves. Through our faith, though our faith may fail at times, we can trust God to always be faithful. I thought that was some he is faithful. nugget information. He is faithful. I don't know why this is coming uh, to me right now, but I think as you look at your life, as I look at my life now that I have a bit more space. I'm not running around. I'm not going to a couple of jobs. And um, and I look at my life. Am I okay with what's happening? Am I okay with my relationships? So in Proverbs, it says uh, 27, 19, as water reflects the face, so one's life ref- reflects the heart. So now we have a real beautiful opportunity to see what's in our heart, you know, mm. how we feel about other people, how we are in really uh, true relationship with other people how we think about the world, whether or not I'm anxious, whether or not I'm afraid, and work on those things and allow that kind of garden to blossom into, I trust God, I trust God, and now I'm back in that Garden of Eden just in relationship with him, naked and unafraid. That's good. Walking around, you know. I think um, that just uh, really resonates with me is that I've got to look around and say, hey, what are these relationships that are um, having a hard time now in you know, plant some seeds there. Even my relationship with myself, I think we have to think a bit, be introspective on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they always say that, you know, home is where the heart is. And our hearts, you know, we in a man's mind, we always think our ways are right, the Bible says. But God weighs the heart. And so it is tar- uh, time for heart examination and dismantling and to go through that and laying aside every weight that so easily besets us. And, but that is some work. Tell you what. Okay, we're going to end this production. Has been very gracious with us today, Deborah. This has been so good. We might have to do another dis- distancing <laughs> episode because um, there's just some other things we have to talk about. Mm-hmm. But now I'm going to give you four prompts, and I'd like you to answer them because it gives the listening audience just a little more intimate feel for you and who you are. And all of us, as you said before, deal with things in our own way in our own time because it's a compilation of everything in our life that God has brought us to the moments that we're in. So it is hard to compare ourselves to anyone other than ourselves. So I am from is the name of this activity. I will give you a prompt and then if you'll just complete it. I am from sights, sounds, and smells of your life growing up. I am from the creek. I am from gray skies. I am from Honeysuckle. I am from, and now you're going to list favorite foods growing up. I am from anything that was edible. (laughs) She's a foodie. We were hungry growing up, so. Yeah, and now you love food. Now I just, What are your favorite foods now? Oh, favorite foods are all over the place. I love Triscuits. I know that's weird, but I love Triscuits. Um, Japanese food, and I love home-cooked food, but I love all food. I just got stuck on the Triscuit part. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. I'm telling you, I, I could eat a box of those at a sitting. And 
my ears went out. I'm so full. (laughs) Um, I am from, and these are sayings from your family of origin. So things, words that you remember growing up in your house that you heard all the time. You know, Mia, that's an interesting question, especially coming from a place that was really ruled by despair. So when you say that, I go to a place of, was there anything? Um, not other to, people not to condemn. With that. Yeah, so I am from, I'm from despair, mm-hmm. but grace, okay. but grace and joy. Mm-hmm. Okay. I am from, and now you will list virtues of people that you call friends in your life or people that you admire. These are the constants that you see. I am from. Man, my, the most uh, friendships I have are with queens. And um, I'm from love and ultimately from the grace of God. Just full life, L-I-F-E capitals. Yeah. Deborah, it is always my privilege to have you on this porch with me. I don't know how I get so lucky that you say yes every time, but it's always impactful uh, and meaningful, and I know that it will leave indelible marks of life-giving fountains to people. So thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. This is an amazing podcast. I hope um, people tune in so that your wisdom multiplies. Oh, it's not me. It's my guest, but thank you. All right. So thank you everybody for listening. Once again, we are praying for you. We understand and we acknowledge that this is a unique time in our life. We also acknowledge God's sovereignty and his love, his grace, his mercy, his plans for your life, even before um, you considered what your plans for your life would be. We're so glad that you have joined us on the porch once again, and our prayer for you is that you will find rest for your souls. As we bring another episode to a close, we want to thank you and check out our website at miaembro.com. That's M-I-A-M-B-R-O-H.com. Leave us a message or feedback. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast to receive the latest episodes. And join us next time as we discuss what's on your souls.